All right, glad you're with us. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Toll free, it is 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. These these hearings and opening statement by Ron Johnson were fascinating today, calling his uh, Democratic counterpart on a panel um, a liar uh, uh, for launching false allegations of Russian disinformation. And uh, the Wisconsin Republicans, Gary Peters, Michigan Democrat, uh, rather, ranking member of the committee spreading misinformation about Russian interference in the 2016 election. It is it is stunning. This is their go to now. Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, we have information about Hunter Biden and his laptop that came from Russia. No, it didn't. It actually came from Hunter who left his laptop. Um, you lied repeatedly to the press uh, that I was spreading Russian disinformation. That was an outright lie. And he's talking about the Grassley-Graham uh, report. Um, so not the Grassley. Uh, yeah, the Chuck Grassley-Johnson report. And it, this this isn't about airing your grievances. This is terrible. Are you doing this committee to get trying to get answers? You know, it's amazing. There's a 2007 cut of Biden himself saying that, oh, we got to have paper ballots to make sure the machines are not manipulated. Listen. How are you going to keep it from us being able to be in a position where you can manipulate the machines, manipulate the records? The one way to do that is I think we should pass a federal law mandating that the same machines with paper trails be mandatory for every federal election. That will be a multi-billion dollar bill for the states because the states will have to make a choice then. They will have to make a choice whether or not they have two machines. We can't mandate, as you know, state elections. We can't tell the state of Delaware or Ohio or Texas what machines and what method they use to vote in their state elections, but we can do it federally. So in a nutshell, I think we should be mandating mandating that we have a paper ballot with a standardized machine, standardized uh, requirement. There's a reason that dozens of liberal countries, far more liberal than this, have, you know, banned these machine uh, ballots. Uh, and, you know, you know, you're never going to get conservative Republicans, the mob and the media and liberal Democrats all agreeing, especially about one particular machine uh, before the election, then have 28 states use it, which is separate and apart from everything we're talking about. There is a bit of a crack up happening. I'm going to play two cuts here. One is Ocasio-Cortez. We need new leadership in the Democratic Party. And then saying Pelosi and Schumer need to go. This is an interesting development. The, the battle, the war for the soul of the Democrats has begun. Isn't this grounds, though, to take a stand and say, no, I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi should not be the speaker and Chuck Schumer should not be the leader? Well, you know, I do think that we need new leadership in the Democratic Party. I think one of the things that I have struggled with, I think that a lot of people struggle with, is the internal dynamics of the House has made it such that there's very little option for succession, if you will, you know, and I think that one could just, I I think it's easy for someone to say, oh, well, you know, why don't you run? But the house is extraordinarily complex and I'm not ready. (laughs) It can't be me. I know that I couldn't do that job. And so even conservative um, members of the party who think Nancy Pelosi is far too liberal for them, don't necessarily have any viable alternatives, which is why whenever there's a challenge, it kind of collapses. Um, and that is, I think, the result of just many years of 
power being concentrated in leadership with a lack of, you know, real grooming of a next generation of leadership. Are you ready to say Pelosi and Schumer need to go? I mean, I, I, I think so. I mean, and the question is, like this year, for example, the hesitancy that I have is that I, I want to make sure that if we're pointing people in a direction that we have a plan. And my concern, and this I acknowledge as a failing, as something that we need to sort out, is that there isn't a plan. How do we fill that vacuum? Because if you create that vacuum... There are so many nefarious forces at play to fill that vacuum with something even worse. And so the actual (laughs) sad state of affairs is that there are folks more conservative than even they are willing to to kind of fill that void. And so, you know, the answer is yes. The answer is we we need to to shift power. We need to make sure that we have a transition of power in the leadership of the Democratic Party. This crack up is just beginning. It, it really is. Let me go to before I get to Senator Ron Johnson. I mean, his opening statement was was amazing today. And what happened in the Senate is amazing today. And I, but I want to go back to, you know, this this dissent in the Wisconsin case, 4-3 decision, their Supreme Court. And because I think it, 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 it literally, it really gets to the root of everything that is going to matter here. You know, when you have the chief justice of the Supreme Court of Wisconsin saying a significant portion of the public does not believe the presidential election was fairly conducted. He's right. Once again, four justices on this court cannot be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure the absentee ballots are lawfully cast. We've gone through chapter and verse. My main focus, what has it been on? The law and the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, in the case of Pennsylvania, uh, the state Constitution, and in the case of Wisconsin, focused on state law the U.S. Constitution, uh, court precedents, the, the case in Georgia based on the U.S. Constitution, the legislature should be making the decisions. You can't have a two, you know, two varying signature, signature verification systems uh, or a consent decree made by the secretary of state without bringing in the state legislature to to put their approval on it, which was constitutionally sound the way they did it was not. I mean, it's it's all here. But four justices on this court can't be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure that absentee ballots are lawfully cast. They, they could care less. I mean, for a Supreme Court justice of a state, chief justice to say that is, is a devastating blow and as hard hitting as you're ever going to get. The chief justice continuing four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems, in other words, they ignore it, that will be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them. Well, that's been our argument, that if you follow the law, follow the Constitution, state constitutions, federal constitution, that's where this case is won or lost. That's where, these, that's where all of this matters. And I agree with the Chief Justice in this case. On so many levels, in so many states, 
They, they, they don't want any part. They don't want anything to do with this. And then it's summed up by another dissenting justice who said, this is not the rule of law. It's the rule of judicial activism through inaction. Might even take it a step further at the Supreme Court. Is there way too many political considerations and and too much factoring in of the outcome of whatever decision they come to, uh, rather than just focused on the law and the Constitution itself, which is what their job really is, having co-equal branches of government, checks and balances. That's what it's all about. Another dissenting justice, every single voter in this state, meaning Wisconsin, is harmed when a vote is cast to con- in contravention of the statutes. And, well, you know, the, the idea that one justice said, well, it should have the case should have been brought earlier. What we're supposed to anticipate the laws are going to be broken. I mean, it's absurdity. The logic is not it doesn't it's not logic by definition. Or the state of Texas doesn't have standing. Well, if the four states that they were suing in the Supreme Court with original jurisdiction, you, you, if, if the law of the Constitution, in fact, were followed, then you wouldn't have the disenfranchisement of people in other states. That, that, that would grant standing, in my mind, to anybody. Ron Johnson begins saying, you know, there were outstanding issues and court cases, but, you know, then he goes on to talk about the Electoral College. And then he goes on to say in his opening statement today, there are many reasons that the American people have this skepticism that the American public doesn't believe the November election results are legitimate. This is not a sustainable state of affairs in our democratic republic. He's right. You got to have signature verification standards that are equal. You got to follow state law. You got to follow the U.S. Constitution. State legislatures, they're the, they're the ones that decide, not, not some, you know, somebody that just decides they want to change things. He goes, there are many reasons for this high level of skepticism, Senator Johnson says. It starts with today's climate of hyperpartisanship, which was only exacerbated by the persistent efforts to delegitimize the results of the 2016 election. I'm beginning to think I'm the only one that's pointing that out. That the mob, the media, big tech, they never censored any stories then. They're the ones that pushed the phony narrative about Trump-Russia collusion in the 2016 election that was proven false. I had no problem with spying on a presidential candidate or a president. It was the corrupt investigation, the media coverage of the Russia collusion hoax reduced our faith in institutions. What was I talking about all week this week? Institutional failure. The media, the Democratic Party, weak Republicans, the court system. This is institutional. These are forces, institutional forces that are corrupt at a level that most of us really didn't imagine. It's hard to come to grips with. I'm telling you, everybody that I know that follows any of this, they're struggling with all of this. Anyway, in the ongoing suppression, censorship of conservative perspectives by biased news media, social media adds fuel to the flames. He's right. And he talks about Senator Grassley. Uh, Grassley's and my investigation and reports on the conflict of interest and foreign financial entanglements of the Biden family is one example how media suppression can and does affect the outcome of an election. He's right on that point. Solid 10 percent in a recent poll said they didn't know this about Biden. Had they known it would have changed their vote about the whole 
you know, Russia, Russian oligarchs, Kazakh oligarchs, Ukraine, China, shopping sprees, wire transfers, no experience. I'm telling you, the, the Biden family corruption, foreign corruption syndicate, this is going to be a real story that's going to go on for years. Get to the bottom of it. But what does China have on the Bidens? I'd like to know. It's amazing and it's calling. And that's, by the way, their report. Oh, this is just this is Russian disinformation. That's a lie, too. He says this effort should be bipartisan. He said oversight into election security should continue into the next Congress because we must restore competence and integrity in the voting system. I've been saying it every day. My statement announcing this hearing stated the goal is a way to resolve suspicions, full transparency, public awareness. If this does not become our number one priority as a country, we're, we're doomed. We don't have election integrity and confidence in the outcome of our elections. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. We'll get to more of this. Pretty amazing statement. Pretty amazing events happening today. We'll get to all in the course of the program. Let me go to uh, Senator Ron Johnson in his own words from today. Pretty powerful moments that he had. I just have to talk about Russian disinformation because the people peddling it are not on my side of the aisle. Senior Democrat leaders, including ranking member Peters, you know, were involved in a process of creating a false intelligence product that was supposedly classified. They leaked to the media that accused Senator Grassley, the president pro tem of the Senate, and myself of accepting and disseminating Russian disinformation from Andrei Durkash. I'd never heard of the person until they brought it up. Senator Peters introduced that, direct, that false information, Russian disinformation, into our investigation record. 50 people associated with the intelligence community during the, our, after our Hunter Biden investigation and the revelations of the Hunter Biden computer said, oh, this is, you know, this is Russian disinformation. Now we find out well, it's a real investigation by the Justice Department. So it's, it's just galling. And I just have to point out that the purveyors of Russian disinformation, the DNC, the Steele dossier, the ranking member accusing Senator Grassley and I of disseminating uh, Russian disinformation, that's where the disinformation is coming. That's where the false information, the, the lies, the false allegations. I can't sit by here and listen to this and say that this is, this is not disinformation, this hearing today. This is we have to take a look at to restore confidence in our election integrity. We, we're not going to be able to just move on without bringing up these irregularities, examining them, and providing an explanation and see where there really are problems so we can correct it moving forward. Senator Paul. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I got to respond to that. I mean, you're saying I'm putting out Try. information. Well, one, I did had nothing to do with this report. You, you lied repeatedly. You lied this. repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian, dis, Russian disinformation. And that was an outright lie. And I told you to stop lying and you continue to do it. I mean, it got very, very heated at this committee today. And uh, and rightly so, because that's exactly what happened. I mean, look at more recently, they come out with their report, Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson. And what did the media tell us in the lead up to the election about all this stuff with Hunter Biden? Ah, this is Russian disinformation. None of it's true. The New York Post, none of it's true. Uh, Then big tech censors it. The media dismisses it. Now, all of a sudden, Joe's elected. Then we find out, oh, my gosh, it was real. Well, we can report a little bit of it, but we're not going to report all of it. 
That's how corrupt the system is. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get back to the uh, hearings and the eruption that took place in the hearings with Ron Johnson. He's going to be on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox News. You know, sweet baby James does all my email. I'm, I don't really have an email account anymore. And anyway, so he gets emails from Joe Bastardi. Joe Bastardi never writes and says, hey, how are you doing? What's up? How's your workouts going? No, he does occasionally or used to. He'll text me occasionally. Um, but all I get is, yeah, you're about to get pounded with a foot of snow. Are you ready? And that was pretty much <laughs> it sent to sweet baby James today. A nor'easter could be the biggest East Coast storm in years. Uh, one prediction, actually as high as in some areas, as much as two feet of snow in parts of the East Coast. Hey, sweet baby, do we have um, do we have enough shovels around here? Anyway, uh, Joe Bastari, is it going to be two feet or one? I thought it was one foot. Now it's two feet. It, it, no, it's not two feet there. It's two feet back here where I am. Good. Well, in Pennsylvania, you're, you're, you mean? Yeah, but yeah, that's right. We're Pennsylvania, where I am, and I don't tell anybody <laughs> where I am because they come out and look for me. Uh, no, but the uh, your area where you are, I take around a foot of snow, but the wind is going to gust to sixty miles an hour. And the big thing out on the island and into northern oh New Jersey is that there can be a changeover, and everything is wet, and uh, the wind starts coming in at fifty, sixty miles an hour between nine and midnight. And there's all sorts of power outages that that can occur. Yeah, and well, by the way, basically I do text an everyday you about affair. Your I do I do text you about your workouts. Okay, you so, do, you do, uh, you do. All right. So yeah. who's going to get hammered the most, and how much is the most? You, are you really well, going to get two feet of snow? You see, yeah, but you're a weathered nut. You used to chase like tornadoes, and you're a storm chaser. So you're you're a weathered nut. You love doing this well, stuff. Uh, what I love more now is trying to forecast it as far as we can, because what we do at Weatherbell is we get all sorts of uh, clients, and the Weather Service are great people, so we have to get them out of information as quick as possible. So, you know, Sweet right. Baby and Linda, uh, we're seeing those emails start uh, Friday, and what I do is I also include them so they don't get caught off guard with things. So. So from Friday, no, you're very, you're, and, and you are the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity radio show, weatherbell.com. We, you're the best at what you do. You're great at it. And, and there are times when you give valuable information about hurricanes, tornadoes, and storms like this one. And you're saying this, for some people, is going to be pretty bad. Well, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I'll t- tell you where roads are going to be closed. Pennsylvania, uh, let's say you know, state, my, where I am, State College, Harrisburg. Uh, Scranton, that I-80 corridor between Williamsport, East Stroudsburg's probably going to get shut down for at least several hours. Our governor's trying to shut the state down, and Mother Nature gets jealous and says, I'll show you why, see how you really shut things down? This is how you shut things down. Now, in New York City, I think you're going to see rain and sleet mix in for a few hours, which will hold totals down from what they are to the north and west. If you live up in uh, Orange County, uh, Orange County, you're probably going to see up to 18 inches of snow in there. Danbury, Connecticut, 18 to 30 inches of snow in there. Uh, yeah, I got Providence in Boston, uh, 12 to 18 inches in there. But the big fight zone is uh, across Long Island and back into Princeton, Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Those areas are probably going to get saved from the extreme snow amount. But the swap is fleet. Freezing rain and wind gusts of 50 miles an hour take your power out. D.C. is over to rain. They're done with this particular storm. There's a lot of sleet and freezing rain in the northern and western suburbs and making sure they're taking care of the great one. 
who lives, uh, you know, at some place within 100 miles of D.C., so I watch a great one. But uh, Why are you giving problem. away bunker locations? Do you know how top I, secret no, that I, is? You oh, shouldn't be oh, giving away Levin's bunker. Hold, hold on a second. His, I'm telling him. I'm going to... Now, Joe Bastardi, I'll say it. Nobody else will say I it. Don't, I don't even know exactly where the great one lives. I know that within 100 miles of D.C. I've been in the bunker. They they blindfold you, and and you feel like you're driving around in circles before you ever gain entrance to the bunker. That's the truth. By the way, I've joined the club. I got docs. I had the cops come over here one night and tell me, uh, you know, we got people making threats against you. I always... I always, you know, knew that was going on. But I never had the cops come over here. You know, I'm sure you had, may have had the same experience. My mom calls me and she's crying and asks me why people hate me so much. I said, "Well, which reason oh do you want to know?" God. Anyway, play get the back, violin. Get, All right. So this is going to be a big storm. storm now. Look, and that means people are going to race to the store. They're going to, you know, empty the shelves of toilet paper, paper well, it's towels. Too now it's too Man. late now. If you weren't listening to Weatherbell. And this is catching you off guard. See, that's a shameless plug. But it's too late. Just stay in there, There's no toilet paper left again? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> Why is it everyone grabs the toilet paper? Why is the toilet paper the most popular item in a store when, you know, something is about to happen? I hate that part. we got plenty of toilet paper in this house. I'll tell you that right now. But I'm not telling you where my house is. So you can't come over. Well, you don't. You won't. But who knows what's going on? I'm in a college town, for goodness sakes. But in any case, look. Let me let me get the I-95, uh, Boston and Providence, twelve to eighteen. All right, New York City, about a foot, but sleet, freezing rain mix in. You get down from out in Long Island, where you are. You know, I'm not saying where he is, but much of the islands getting about a foot of snow, and then a change over to sleet and freezing rain, and the wind is going to come cranking in there. And the problem, again, in these areas for about six hours, the intersection between wet snow, rain, sleet, freezing rain, you know, it's like a Johnny Cash song over here, and these winds gusted to 50, 60 miles an hour are going to create problems with power, so your power may go out. Back where I am, it's going to close roads for a day, perhaps two days until they, they get it cleared up. The good thing about this storm is when it leaves, it's not going to be followed by northwest winds at 60, you know, 50 blowing and drifting and all that. It's going to leave, and the weather's relatively tranquil behind it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, the type of weather where right. we probably will be able to sustain the snow cover for a white Christmas in a lot of areas. It might snow between now and then. You never know. All right, oh, Joe, yeah. starting. Oh, no, no. Yes, I do know. I think it will try to snow between us. I don't know. No, I, I think it's going to try to all snow. Right, Santa Only Claus God will... knows tomorrow. That's true. That's true. Weatherbell.com. Joe Bastardi. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. You know, so Johnson is right today holding these shares. This should be a bipartisan effort. Why isn't it? Now, think about that. It's not for a reason because they don't want the integrity. They want the result. You know, I stated its goal was to resolve suspicions and full transparency, public awareness. That is what good oversight can accomplish. Unfortunately, they have the Democrats, they just want the results. Anyway, he says, I believe that alleged irregularities are organized into three basic categories, lax enforcement, violations of election laws, that happened everywhere, partisan observers couldn't observe, among many others, and controls, two, fraudulent votes, ballot stuffing, and three, corruption of voting machines, software that might be programmed to add or switch votes, 
In the time we've had, it was impossible to fully identify and examine every allegation, and many of the irregularities raised legitimate concern. There's some truth to that. You just get to a point. For me, the focus became the law, the Constitution, and state constitutions, and all these Democrats that were against it. I mean, you never have any agreement at all. All these Democrats all warned about voting machines that they and all of this and early voting and they all warned against all of this there's a reason why all of these other countries around the globe don't use voting machines anyway so fireworks erupted over there and you know i don't think any of it is surprising anybody by the way we have some hunter zero experience hunter biden news 2017 sent best wishes from the entire Biden family to China firm chairman requesting a $10 million wire. <laughs> I never got a penny from China. His lawyer comes out. Well, uh, he has all his equity. He hasn't actually cashed in the millions and millions of dollars. Anyway, asking the chairman to properly fund and operate the Biden joint venture with the Chinese energy company. And it goes on to say the correspondence between Hunter and the chairman of what is the S, uh, the CEFC shows that Joe Biden's son extending best wishes for the entire family, urging the chairman to quickly send a $10 million wire to properly fund and operate the Biden joint venture with a now bankrupt Chinese energy company. I guess he had all that experience now all of a sudden from Burisma. But $10 million transfer was never completed. Fox News obtained a copy of the email and asking... The chair, the my letter to Chairman Yi, and that they should extend my warmest, w- best wishes. I hope to uh, to see the chairman soon. I, I I hope my friends are well. I regret missing you on the last trip to the U.S. He said in the attached love. Please accept our best wishes for, from the entire Biden family as well as partners. Don't his father didn't know? Does he have the right to say that on his father's behalf? I don't know. Um, that's another good question. By the way, Biden's, quote, inauguration plan. They're urging supporters to stay home so he can hide in the basement, as usual. I mean, I know that these are hard times for everybody. I I get it. It's just, it's rough. You know, I just wonder, you know, we played last night this Eric Swalwell tape. This guy was pushing probably as hard as anybody in Congress, along with the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar Adam Schiff. And Jerry Nadler and, you know, pushing and pushing and lying and lying and and advancing the false narrative that Trump Russia collusion happened. And the entire time he knew he was compromised with this woman that turned out to be a Chinese spy that had apparently numerous affairs with elected officials around the country, never told any Republican on the House Intel Committee between the Bidens, and that means Joe and Hunter, and whatever correspondence. And, you know, one of the things that some top intel people have told me is when you go to a country like China or any country where they are dominant in terms of intelligence, they're monitoring everything. You go to Singapore, we go to Vietnam. I mean, literally, I'm handed from my job a burner phone. Don't use your real phone. Don't even turn it on because they'll download everything on it in seconds. That's what I'm told. Hey, really? I have these guys that literally check the room I'm staying in for bugs. It's insane. 
Well, that's, I guess, the world of spies that we live in. So knowing the deep sophistication of a hostile regime, a hostile country like China, just like a hostile country like Russia or Iran or other countries, well, you know, do we think that they, they actually made the deal with Hunter because he had all this experience in private equity? I don't think so. I mean, it was actually really scary what, you know, Rick Rennell was saying that, you know, this Christine Fang is just one of many spies involved with top-ranking officials in the United States. You know, whenever you get to the, the serious, significant monies involved and then the lack of experience of Hunter and all these countries that want to hire him and do business with him, well, they're not hiring him because of his vast experience and because he's the best qualified. It's obvious they think they're buying access. And then the question is, how much access did they ultimately get? We know about Burisma. We know about attempts of Hunter and, and Archer and others to go to the State Department as it relates to issues that, that Burisma was dealing with. We know Joe's involvement. You're not getting a billion dollars. Well, was there any involvement with Russia and the First Lady of Moscow and the Russian oligarch or the Kazakh oligarch or the Chinese national shopping spree? Really? You're going to take my family out on a shopping spree and, and spend a hundred grand? You're going to give me money for $140,000, earmark that sucker for a car? And then you're going to allow this guy Swalwell to just get away five years not telling anybody in the House Intel Committee that, in fact, he was compromised. Not a matter of if he was compromised, he was compromised. This woman was raising money for his campaign, got interns in his office. Do you think the, the chances, odds are high that the intern was a spy? I'd argue it probably was. Republicans sending to Nancy Pelosi to demand Swalwell be removed from the House Intel Committee. Why he's there is, is unbelievable to me. Just unbelievable. All right, Simple Man, Leonard Skinner, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Ganza. And Simple Man, that means it's all things Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. He claims to be a simple man. I, I argue he is as complicated a human being as I ever met. Mr. O'Reilly, Merry Christmas. This will be our last show of the year together, the last time you're on this year. Yeah, you're taking, what, eight weeks off, Hattie? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, okay, really? Because I take off so little, especially compared to you. Well, um, I, I have to rest because I, you know, I... I, You're an older just, person. I got it. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Where are you You're going? an older man, Mr. O'Reilly. Simple and older, right? Yeah. So you're going to be off. I'm, I'll work a little bit next week on BillOReilly.com, and I'm going to take a few days off. And I appreciate the Merry Christmas. I hope you have a good one. You deserve it. Uh, but a tough year. Worst year since 1929. Um. You're talking about as a country overall, yes. corona, anarchy, horrible election fraud, or all the above? It's the worst year in the United States since the collapse of the financial system in 1929. And all of the things that you mentioned, plus more. The worst thing about it is the civil war between Americans. And that has been exacerbated, of course, by the election. Um, and the COVID just depresses everybody. So uh, who's happy? 
You know, you can't even, Fauci's saying you can't even see your mom on, on Christmas. So, I mean, come on. Doesn't get worse than this, but I think it'll be it's well, and you know, and think about. It. I mean, families three hundred thousand of them. We you know lost loved ones, and the worst pandemic since nineteen seventeen or eighteen. You know, out of out of horrible situations, though, and it's that's as horrible as you can get. I mean, look at the the amazing how our scientists and medical researchers and doctors and first responders and nurses, you know, they they rise to the occasion, and in less than a year, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, we now have a vaccine that is going in people's arms, and by the end of this year, we'll have you know millions and millions of doses that will be given out already. You know that's a historic achievement by the Trump administration that will never be acknowledged because of our corrupt media, uh, also the economy that he forged. I think helped more Americans than any other economy in my lifetime, and now the progressives are trying to destroy it. Um, so that, you know, when you add it all up, this has not been a good year. Um, I don't know, you know, nobody's allowed to go to Times Square anyway, but even if they were, I don't think they'd go. I'm not celebrating this year, um, because it has been an awful situation for almost every American, and that's the truth. You know, it's, um, but we are Americans, Bill, and our parents, my dad served four years in the Pacific. He grew up in the Great Depression. Um, this country has faced hard times before. We all lived through 9-11. Um, we've all experienced loss, hardship, suffering. I don't think anyone goes through this life, Bill O'Reilly, and I know you're a good Catholic guy. Um, I, um, nobody goes through this life without trial and tribulation. And I don't care if you're born with money, you have no money. It's, it's not a financial thing. It's, it's a life thing. Yeah. But you want to basically have a society that is united and we're not, and let's be honest about it. We're not. And what my job is and in your job, I, I think you're simpatico with me on this is to tell Americans the truth. And a lot of times it's harsh about your country. Now, we are resilient people. History does go in cycles. I think that things will change for the better, but it's going to be a tough struggle, primarily because for the first time, we don't have an honest flow of information. So we have these social media companies that are censoring. That's got to be dealt with by Congress. has to be. And then you have the corporate media, which is flat-out corrupt as we saw with the incessant attacks on Donald Trump and the coverage of the election. So these are really, really severe problems that we're going to have to address as a people. You know what's scary to me? I never thought in our lifetime, Bill, that we'd see just widespread dishonesty, laws violated, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Americans. I thought we praised whistleblowers as courageous and patriotic, and I don't know what you thought when you were watching these witnesses describe that they weren't allowed to to follow the law and observe election counting. And, you know, we're finding ballots five, six weeks after the election. Um, we we hear story after story after story. People, good people that have dedicated their time and and these horrible stories about what is what happened in this election. I mean, I always thought this couldn't happen here, Bill. But guess what? It happened here. The real tragedy about the election is that 43,000 votes in three states put Joe Biden in the Oval Office. That's all, 43,000. And 
you and I last week pledged to try to get the Justice Department to appoint a special counsel to examine allegations of voter tampering, voter fraud, bad machines, on and on. Every American should want that, including Joe Biden. I don't believe the president-elect does want it. But step back. You're a liberal American. Why would you not want to know if your country's election was fraudulent? Wouldn't you want to know that? Do you know that in the EU, there are 27 countries that ban mail-in voting? In the most liberal collective nations on earth, most of them ban mail-in voting. Did you know that? I did. I've been talking about it. Mexico bans it. Brazil bans it. Japan bans it. Why? Why? It's all the same reason. It's too easy to corrupt. So these countries, which are not conservative bastions, say, you know what? We'll give you the absentee, but you'll have to obey the rules. And we require voter IDs. So you and I went through we went through all of this early on, and we've done it numerous times. You need voter identification. If you want to go to the Democratic National Committee, you made a joke the last time I brought it up. Uh, You need you you need it. An ID, a picture ID. Okay, you've got to have signature verification with a signature on record. You can't have varying systems. You know, the Constitution is clear about state legislatures. They're the ones that make up the voting rolls in the states. And then you can't have one individual or a few individuals just decide to change it last minute. Uh, If the law calls for partisan observers, then partisan observers need to watch why we would ever pick a machine that that liberal journalists, uh, liberal Democrats, conservative Republicans all have criticized we're the united states we picked the one thing that that no these three parties never agree on a thing but they all agreed yeah they don't like that voting system uh yet 28 states used it uh add all of this together and and there is what 83 percent of trump supporters 83 percent of republicans do not trust the outcome of the election and i happen to be among them You know what? But this is the one issue that I'm hoping Americans can come together on. We'd like to have an honest But Bill, I I hate to tell you, in this divided time, and I'm saying this with all due respect, I think it's a pipe dream. I don't think that's going to happen. They got the result they wanted. Why would they care about changing the system? Yeah, that's because the media won't get behind it. If the media, the left-wing media, corporate media, got behind it... Bill, they, they got the outcome they wanted. They hate Trump. No, I know that. But, I I mean, I'm going to call you a bad American if you don't support. That's really mean. Headline, O'Reilly calls Hannity a bad American. No, not you. I'm using (laughs) you collectively, Hannity. I'm going to call you, my next-door neighbor or anybody else, a bad American if you don't want an honest vote. If you support um, situations. Where dishonesty can Bill, run wild. If we don't and I, and I also fix think it, that we need the facts about the election 2020. Who's yeah, going to assemble those facts? You oh. know, but Bill, I, I was saying going into this election, how do we have this election when we never got the, to the bottom of all that had happened in the last election? Now think about or 1960. Um, exactly, in, in Illinois. Ignored that. Well, look, I mean, going forward, voices of reason. Okay, that's me on Thursday, Friday, and Monday. That's you. 
That's a joke. You're such a joke. wise ass. You know, I mean, you were born. What are you? What did you call the? What was the name of that book about you being an incorrigible child? A bold, fresh piece of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was just called incorrigible. I had teachers that loved it. That I, I, I played hooky every day. They loved it. They were happy I didn't show up. They'd mark me present just to just to keep me away. They gave you lunch money not to show up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That. It was in the same same category. Oh, but I, you look, you know, I mean, I think that we have to try to sit down with our liberal neighbors and our Biden oh. supporters on the block. They hate you, Bill. Bill, you're hated. And, and try to reason with them. Bill, I, I, I Bill mean, the sight of you, I've been out with you. The sight of you, and you could see it in people's faces. They it, they bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer in water, and they all want to hit you, but they're afraid of me. i got to tell uh, everybody listening today, Hannity and I went out a few months ago to a nice Italian restaurant on Long Island. We did. And we walked in together, <laughs> and it was like, the Mel Brooks movie producers during the number <laughs> string time for Hitler. <laughs> this is true, actually. Nobody said a word. Mouths open. It was like we walked in, everything stops. It oh, was hysterical. Man. It's La so, Pizzetta. We got to help our restaurant friends. I feel so bad for these my friends in the restaurant business. Don't you? It's horrible. Are you doing what I'm doing? I'm like buying all this food that I know I'm not going to eat. Because I just I kind of want to like keep everybody going, and, and maybe it's just a small gesture. But if everyone does a little small gesture, hopefully these guys can survive. Well, I can't cook anyway, so I'm always eating out and always getting taken. But I am giving a lot of money um, through my charitable foundation and named after my parents to. Um, oh, that's awesome. Well, we both gave people. to the food bank, but where I live, you were generous to give to my food bank, not my food yeah. bank, the one in my town. And we did the Goya thing. We did, um, yeah. Um, and we are, you know, absolutely, those of us who are fortunate, Hannah and I are in those uh, in that category, um, we have to help those who are getting pounded by the pandemic, and I want you everybody to. to do so in, in your hometown. I don't have the hope that you do. I'll, I'll give you one example. You got Biden's incoming chief of staff said that Republicans are a bunch of effers. And I'm like, oh, there we go. That's his chief of staff. We're a bunch of effers, and McConnell's the worst of them all. That's a great way to come in and, and start negotiations uh, on his part, wouldn't you say? Well, I, I was uh, taken aback, and I did this on BillOReilly.com last night by his Monday speech when he had a frog in his throat. Now, that happens to all of us. But the frog was very confused because the frog's going, wait a minute, he just said he wants to unite the country, and now... He's calling everybody an idiot who wants a fair vote count. Uh, how's that going to unite the country when 74 million people think they got jobbed? You know, All but, Biden they, had to do is say, look, I want a fair election. I'm going to appoint an attorney general who's going to appoint a special counsel to look into the election and make sure we can improve things. If Biden had done that on Monday, then I would have said, all right, maybe the guy does want to unite the country. Maybe he is looking out for everybody. But he's not. Um, I don't even think he knows what he's saying half the time. He said in the speech on Monday, did you catch this? I caught that it. All Americans have a sworn oath to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? I don't, I don't remember taking that. Maybe I took it when I was being baptized when I was six months old and I didn't know it. But I well, We actually grew up at a time where you could mention God and Jesus in the classroom and you weren't uh, thrown out. I mean, those times have changed, Bill. I don't even think Shamanot allows, and they may, they may be one of the few holdouts where you can mention God and Jesus. Well, you can say.
say Merry Christmas thanks to me, Anna. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember every year Bill O'Reilly's War on Christmas segments, and it would become the press would like go insane that you, he's saying there's a war on Christmas. And, and it, was like, it was worth it just for the reaction it would get from the mob. Do you remember when Target told their employees they couldn't say Merry Christmas? I remember that. That's a big deal, though. I mean, why can't yeah, you say Merry and Christmas? I went on the air and said, what? And then the next day, there wasn't one person in Target all over the country. And that was the Who would have thought Bill O'Reilly, probably the closest, you know, uh, modern-day version of not being, you're very generous, not in that sense, you know, bah humbug and Scrooge and, and curmudgeonly as a, as a character... Uh, there's a there's a characterization of you as such, you know, being the guy that saved Christmas. What a great irony that would that is, isn't it? I, and listen, if I don't go to heaven, man, the fix is in. Just <laughs> that. Just uh, that. Well, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night, right? Yeah, but, you know, I will say this. I, I, I love this country so much, and I know so many people that are listening to us now do. We have to save this country. I can't imagine if we don't save this country, the world without us. I, I, and I'm not like a guy that sits at home and, and wrings my hands and worries, but I'm really worried about future generations. Bill, we, can, we hope and pray on that one, but i got to let you go. BillOReilly.com, all things O'Reilly. Sir, simple man, uh, Merry Christmas, my friend. Happy New Year. We'll see you in the new year. All God right, willing. thanks. And as we continue 25 till the top of the hour, let's go back to the president. The importance of the Georgia runoff, which is now, believe it or not, uh, uh, about 20 days away. I mean, it's coming fast. Early voting ongoing in Georgia as we speak. We have a couple of polls we'll share with you and pollsters that will weigh in on the state of that race. I would argue way too close to call, way too much at stake. Here's what the president said in Valdosta. If you don't get out and vote, they are going to win. Now, you know, a lot of people, friends of mine, say, let's not vote. We're not going to vote because we're angry about the presidential election. And they're friends of mine. They're people that are great people. They're, they're real friends. And more than just two, there are numerous people. And it's almost like a protest. But if you do that, the radical left wins. Okay? It was sort of an instinct of mine. You know, you're angry because so many votes were stolen. It was taken away. And you say, well, we're not going to do it. We can't do that. We have to actually do just the opposite. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to do just the opposite. If you don't vote, the socialists and the communists win. They win. Uh, The president couldn't be more right. Now, we have a number of polls that have uh, been coming out in recent days. Uh, we have Insider Advantage, and that's Matt Towery's pollster uh, company. And, and he, interestingly, has both Republicans up by one point and one point only, 49-48, exactly the same. Uh, we have the latest uh, poll by the Trafalgar Group. That's Robert Cahaley. And in that race, he actually has uh, Ossoff uh, up on Purdue, 49.1 to 48.8. He has Loeffler ahead of Warnock, uh, 50.4 to 47.3. They both join us now, and I must say that they're two guys and and two of a, a very unique, perhaps, I'm I not sure, John McLaughlin might be the only other one. Scott Rasmussen, I think, did well, too, that really called both 2016 and 2020 accurately. Um, anyway, Robert, thank you for being back. Matt, thank you for being back. Interestingly, both have their roots in Georgia 
and they know the state better than, than any pollsters in the country. So having the best pollsters from the state that matters now is uh, important. Uh, Matt, your poll just came out yesterday. Fox 5 Insider Advantage poll, 49-48, both races. That is too close for my liking. Yeah, it's a very tenuous situation, Sean. The uh, What I'm not liking right now is what I'm seeing in the tracking of the voter turnout right now. Uh, and we have a way to track the ballots that are cast. Um, it, it, it's anemic. Um, uh, the African-American percent cast right now is well over 30 percent. It's closer to about 33 percent. Um, that would have to come down for a Republican to be able to win just historically based on, on many, many prior races. Um, and also, I'm, I'm seeing um, that uh, a large portion of this early vote, of course, are older voters. And in my poll, older, older voters are breaking in about the mid-50s for the Republicans. That We need to get that higher if you're going to see a Republican win. So this is a very tenuous race. I wouldn't be ready to call or, or suggest that either, either party or any of these candidates has an edge at the moment. And it's interesting, you actually have Purdue down by just a few tenths of a point, but Kelly Loeffler, with a, you know, based on this race, a, a decent lead against Warnock. Uh, why the disparity, uh, Robert Cahaley? Well, we see uh, some, there's a, a small segment of voters that a lot of them are, encompass some of the uh, suburban uh, moms and stuff like that, that uh, didn't really like Trump that much and aren't socially conservative. But they, some of that small group has a, a, a kind of a kind place in their heart for Ossoff. And so we see some uh, Leffler Ossoff crossover there. And, uh, and we saw also see that a little bit with some independents and uh, getting a lot of feedback about the debate and uh, the fact that Leffler did the debate and Purdue didn't, uh, stuff like that. But I, I would agree with Matt. This thing is very, very, very close. Uh, I wouldn't want to make a call either direction. And uh, from what we see, uh, the way the early voting, I got to agree with him. There's a significant turnout, and it is all going. Even though it is below the pace from 2020 at the uh, 2020's presidential at this point, uh, the turnout is significant, and is you know it's it's weighted very strongly in a way that will be beneficial. I, I have the numbers. Either one of you correct me if I'm wrong, but in November, November third. A million seven hundred forty thousand seven hundred ninety-five people had requested a mail-in ballot. One million three hundred sixty-two thousand three hundred sixty-nine actually used that mail-in ballot. Um, now the requests this time are about a half a million less requests and a third less than they had for the November election. And you know, so you have you know six hundred thousand of the people on the list for mail-in ballots. Six hundred of one point seven million. Um, they've been on the list for a long time, but what are we learning from early voting, which started on Monday, Matt Towery, and what do you glean from Stacey Abrams contending that 85,000 of 1.2 million mail-in ballot applications received in the state so far have come from Democratic-leaning voters? Is that true? Who didn't vote in November, she's claiming. Well, we see so far about 18,000 voters uh, voting this time. I, I think that's correct. I may be a little bit off. Uh, maybe a little less than that, voting right now who did not vote in the November 2020 general election. So there is some truth to the concept that there may be new voters that, the, that uh, presumably the Democrats, for the most part, have been able to find. What I'm finding, though, and this is a positive for the Republicans a bit, is the early vote. 
we are seeing a um, a slight decrease in that African American percent of the overall vote. Uh, yesterday it was closer to thirty four percent. Today it's a little closer to thirty two percent. If that continues to decline, then uh, you've got a better chance for the Republicans to have a sporting chance of winning. If that doesn't decline into the upper twenties particularly when you have another category called other, which is really oftentimes uh, ends up being a combination of, of uh, other nationalities and African-Americans as well, then that's very problematic for the Republicans. So they're right on the, on the razor's edge of this being a competitive race for the Republicans or not becoming a competitive race. Right now it's a competitive race, but they've got to see that early voting pick up, and they've got to be able to turn their folks out on Election Day, which I think only Donald Trump, in the end, can be the motivator to get people out of their armchairs and into the uh, voting booth if, you, if they're actually going to vote on the election day of January 5th, which is a horrific time to stage an election. The worst day possible. Robert, your take on that? I absolutely agree. I mean, right now, so far, with the uh, the ones that are voting that did not vote in 2020, we see it's a 2.6%. It's already 18,000 people. Uh, and so we don't have a good number as to how many of those are newly registered, like uh, Abrams is claiming. Uh, but, I mean, 2.6% of the, of the uh, vote uh, is, is significant. And so this, this, this turnout has got to be answered on Election Day, uh, and that, that's going to be the, the – or additional Republicans participating uh, as we get closer to the election because if uh, the trend continues and the turnout's low on Election Day being a – difficult day that that's not very good news for the republicans another sidebar issue you've actually robert factored into your polling what a 3.7 percent margin for potential fraud uh both of you have polled the question there was a press release by loffler and purdue about changing the name of the atlanta braves i mean overwhelmingly i think the number was 71 percent or around there and i think you both had pretty much the same numbers um, of people in Georgia that do not want the Atlanta Braves to change the name of the team. Uh, is that now becoming a wedge issue? First, Robert. Yeah, I, I feel like it is because, you know, people don't – the people always say, well, people vote wasn't their best interest. Well, people vote on emotion, and this is one of those emotional issues, and, and it's so diverse in the sense that it's, uh, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's racial, demographic, all the way across, the support for the Braves is, is just there. I mean, this is Hank Aaron's team. And so it's one of those things that can have people that feel strongly. And, you know, I always say with cancel culture, it's one of those things where you can dismiss it or you can embrace it. But when you get a real opinion is when somebody wants to cancel something you care about. And this is something that the people in this state care about a lot. You know, Matt, one of the things we've talked about, there is a lot of conservative resentment towards the governor, the secretary of state. Uh, the fact that, the, the you know, the, you have the secretary of state literally signing on to a consent agreement, I believe, unconstitutional, allowing for two signature verification systems, one relaxed standard for mail-in balloting and a very different standard for in-person voting. A lot of people are mad that they hadn't taken any steps to fix that or call a special session to fix it. I, I would argue it's unconstitutional. But putting that argument aside, you know, there's a lot of things at stake for the president himself, uh, not the least of which is the hard work he's done over the last four years. The endless investigations a, a Democratic Senate majority would engage in against him and his family in perpetuity. Uh, and on top of that, stopping this radical agenda, having at least one body that will stop it. 
I mean, you don't have any hope if you don't have a majority in the Senate. No, you don't. And, um, you know, I would, let me say this about Robert. Robert had a fantastic uh, polling year, and we had a great one, too. Uh, but it's ironic that, that really the powers that be don't really like to hear what the two of us have to say, even though we seem to be right most of the time. Uh, I think we would both agree that President Trump is a critical uh, portion of getting the vote out in Georgia. I'm surprised that we didn't see commercials earlier on that linked these two candidates with President Trump in a stronger Purdue way. Purdue has one now that there's basically all Trump talking about Purdue. Well, and that's it's about time because that's the only way they're going to get these folks out to turn out to vote. They, they, you know, U.S. senators don't gender a whole lot of, of, of love and devotion unless you get a, some superstar like Lindsey Graham or someone who really stands out. And in this case, these are two fine U.S. senators, but they, they just don't have the love of the people um, the, the way some of these other senators might have, and certainly better-known politicians. But Donald Trump is a religion for, for most Republicans in Georgia, and they've got to use him in every way, shape possible to get that South, Middle Georgia, and North Georgia vote out. Uh, because really, a runoff, more than anything, and I've run a zillion campaigns, as you know, it seems like uh, over the years, Sean, it's about getting the people out to vote. Everyone's made their mind up. You're not going to change a lot of minds. You've just got to get them out and get them to vote. At the end of the day, push comes to shove. How do you see this ending up? Uh, for me, um, I, you know, I wouldn't want to be a bet. bet I mean, your poll is 49-48 each. I mean, basically, uh, yeah. it's, it's a, it's I, a, I, these I, are two elections on the edge. John, I don't like the way the turnout is developing right now, but that does not mean that it can't change. That's about the best I can say, at least for the Republican side. So, I, I, you know, I, you may split the two. Robert may be onto something. Maybe one wins and one doesn't. Um, but right now, I would not be willing to bet on either one of these races. And, Robert, push comes to shove. How is this going to end up in Georgia, considering, you know, the grave importance it has for the whole country? Well, it could be the, the same thing we were looking at before. I mean, we could have a, a whole nasty... Fight. I mean, that's that's what I was thinking. Is that nothing? You know, we we keep running the voters who say, "What are you going to do different?" Well, if nothing is done different, we're going to be in the exact same boat that we were before. They're going to be they're going to be recounting. There's going to be all kinds of these allegations. And Matt brought something I think is really important: is the number of people that are voting that are, have sketchy details, like they can't tell us what sex they are, they can't tell us what race they are, they can't even tell us what age they are. Who are those people? And why well, those well, people well, why is it that if you vote in person in Georgia, you need a voter ID? And, and you get a signature verification based on what Georgia has in their voting base. Well, there's been a very systematic effort, not only in Georgia, but everywhere else, to, to loosen those regulations and increase the mail-in ballots. I mean, they've got to address this. They should have addressed it before this election. But this is around the country. I mean, in, in the name of inclusion, we're we are including people that that have you know anybody with a driver's license and since motor voter. I mean, you know, you got a green card, you can get a driver's license. Matt, I heard you wanted to weigh in, Matt. Well, I, all I was going to say is this: I mean, it, it was obvious that they should have stepped in and tried to fix this situation in Georgia. And if there's any degree to which Republicans don't turn out, part of that is going to be their irritation at the leadership for not doing something about this. All of that said, the one positive for the Republicans is the fewer absentee ballots you have, the less opportunity there is for mischief, if one assumes that mischief took place. 
Uh, but we still have a boatload relative to the overall vote because, I, I, like I said, I think the turnout's okay, but it's not something that, that I'm, I would be taking to the, the bank if I were a Republican right now. News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. One of the things we've been telling you on this program, and, and everyone's done amazing work. Everybody, I guess, focused on the things that they felt that they knew the best. And where I felt the best chances to get to the honesty, integrity, confidence we should all have in elections was going to be by following the law and following the Constitution and following state constitutions. And, and that's been a big part of the focus on this program. And as I said to everybody very early on, I, I, I looked at, you know, what happened in, in Philly and, and you have the secretary of state deciding, well, we'll extend out uh, mail-in ballots for three days without going to the state legislature. That's unconstitutional. That's, that's a matter of fact. That's a matter of law. Uh, or the state constitution in Pennsylvania did not allow for mail-in balloting, but they decided to do it anyway and literally contradicting that which was in their own state constitution when they passed this bill number 70 or in, 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 this, in the legislature without following their own state constitution. I thought the Supreme Court, I thought they had a strong case. They decided not to take it up. Then you have the case in Georgia where you have a consent agreement after a lawsuit by all these varying Democratic groups and they had two sets of signature verification standards, one for in-person voting, which was stringent, and another more relaxed standard for those that were involved in mail-in ballots. And then you have in the state of Wisconsin, uh, a slam-dunk case as far as I could see. And in that state, it's clear they don't allow early voting. And in that particular case, if you follow state law, if you follow court precedent, if you follow the state constitution, uh, then it, it's crystal clear on the law. And now you've got yourself a situation where the results now weren't legal or constitutional. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to get to what the court said in Wisconsin in a second. Um, but this tape that you know people have found today, PJ Media found it. Biden saying there should be one machine used nationally with a paper ballot to ensure the machine was not manipulated. Oh, sounds a lot like Donald Trump and Trump supporters. Listen, how are you going to keep it from us being able to be in a position where you can manipulate the machines, manipulate the records? The one way to do that is I think we should pass a federal law mandating that the same machines with paper trails be mandatory for every federal election. That will be a multi-billion dollar bill for the states because the states will have to make a choice then. They will have to make a choice whether or not they have two machines. We can't mandate, as you know, state elections. We can't tell the state of Delaware or Ohio or Texas what machines and what method they use to vote in their state elections, but we can do it federally. So in a nutshell, I think we should be mandating mandating that we have a paper ballot with a standardized machine, a standardized uh, requirement. That was Biden, but that was Biden then. Biden's been nothing but quiet and hiding in his bunker ever since. Now, in the Supreme Court decision, state of Wisconsin, 4-3 decision, and the chief justice writing a powerful, blistering dissent, saying a significant portion of the public does not believe that the presidential election was fairly conducted. Once again, four justices on this court, seven justices, uh, cannot be bothered with addressing what 
the statutes required to assure that absentee ballots are lawfully cast. The chief justice continues, four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them. That, for a Supreme Court justice in a state, is a devastating beatdown. Another dissenting justice, every single voter in this state is harmed when a vote is cast in contravention of the statutes and continues that the ruling is, quote, doomed to create chaos, uncertainty, undermine confidence, spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. It is the rule of judicial activism through inaction. Reince Priebus has been keeping us up to speed uh, from the get-go on this and has really become the expert, go-to expert in the country on it. Why don't you just lay it out in your own words? You're also a lawyer. How how relevant this is and, and how profound this dissent is. Well, thank you for having me, Sean. Yeah, I mean, you, you keep hearing Democrats saying that the Trump campaign is filing garbage lawsuits. Well, we had a 4-3 decision here. We were one vote away from really turning the Wisconsin election upside down. And really what it comes down to is the fact that we have, we have something very different going on here in Wisconsin and other states, as you outlined. We, it's, this is not as much about uh, people hauling in ballots that other people filled out. This is a matter of people in government that are in charge of executing a legal election taking the law in their own hands and rewriting the laws that the legislative branch is supposed to be writing. We have an Article 2, Article 3 constitutional crisis in this country. That is either the courts deciding how elections are going to be run, or you have government bureaucrats deciding that the laws that the legislature passed shouldn't be followed. And that is exactly what happened in Wisconsin, which is you have clerks that have decided in a state that doesn't allow early vote to create an entirely different system to allow people to vote early through the absentee ballot system, except for the fact that in Wisconsin and most states, absentee ballot, the absentee ballot process has to be followed very specifically by statute, and the statutes are unequivocal in the fact that they have to be followed exactly right. And they didn't do that in Wisconsin. So the fact that you read this blistering dissent, how rare is that, that you're going to hear, you know, basically the chief justice calling everybody else on the court a coward that didn't vote the right way and didn't, didn't stand by the law? Well, it's extraordinary in that it was an 81-page decision. So for your listeners that are, you know, they're not unexpectable to, to follow every one of these details, but imagine you have the entire election of the state of Wisconsin comes down to this decision, an 81-page opinion decided by basically one judge that was actually a judge that the president supported. This was a judge that the president tweeted about and helped get elected, uh, purported to be a conservative. And what he did was, it was kind of strange, he hid behind a legal doctrine called latches. And really what that means is that he's basically trying to say, I don't want to decide on the merits of this because I think 
you should have brought this lawsuit a few months earlier when you that may is have so thought, weak. Right. And here's why it's weak. And, and one of the justices says it exactly. Uh, Justice Ziegler said in the opinion to somehow require that challenges must be made before an election, before the ballots are cast and before a recount is absurd. It's almost it's almost something you could take to the Supreme Court under an Article two violation, which is what you're saying is, is that in order for you, Sean, or anyone listening to run for office, you need to pre-litigate all of your gripes and concerns with the election laws prior to an actual violation from taking place, just in case you need to go to court so that you don't get thrown out on this theory of, of what they call latches. It is absurd to require that of people no. running for office, and it's probably not constitutional. All right, Ryan Priebus continues uh, with us on the Supreme Court beatdown dissent, uh, 4-3 decision. I mean, unbelievable. The wording is unreal. Explain to people the fact that in Wisconsin, they don't allow early voting. Now, they do allow for absentee ballots. Uh, they do allow for people that have conditions that don't allow them to leave their house, but not widespread absentee ballots. And there is a process that must be followed that wasn't followed in the state for this particular election leading and impacting about a couple hundred thousand votes. Yeah. So basically the state of Wisconsin and a lot of different states went through a big debate many years ago over whether or not they were going to allow for early vote, meaning early vote, meaning what most probably people know about, which is you show up at your precinct or a, a, a location with near your home and you show up just like you would on election day, and you show up with your identification, you show it, you get your ballot, you vote, you move on with your day. In Wisconsin, it was decided a long time ago that we would not allow that kind of process in the state of Wisconsin, but we would allow absentee ballot voting. So what would have, so what the clerks is they said, okay, we're going to do something called in-person absentee ballot voting. But the problem with these clerks is, and in this case, is that if they allow in-person absentee ballot voting, the law says you still need to comply with the absentee ballot voting rules, which means you have to have an application. And in this case, in the state of Wisconsin, in this election, they had no application. So someone would show up to vote. There would normally be an application. I want an absentee ballot because of this reason. Here's my name. Here's my identification. Here's where I live. Here's the information. You turn that in. The clerk gives you a ballot. You put it in the envelope, you turn it in. And so what happened in this case is that the Democrats said, well, yeah, we didn't comply with the law, but the envelope, we're going to say the envelope that you put the ballot in is the application. Except for, number one, the law requires an actual application, and the law says the application after voting is held with the, with the municipal clerk, and the envelope is held at the county. So this, the envelope can't be the application. Second reason. If I give you an absentee ballot and you put it in the envelope, obviously the envelope can't be the application because I would have given you the ballot before you put it in the envelope that would end up becoming, according to the Democrats, the application. So that's the first thing. The and, second thing and, is, and, what, and then also were literally actively seeking out early votes in parks and elsewhere, weren't they? Well, right. So they had something in Madison called democracy in the park. And democracy in the park was where the Dane County clerk, who, by the way, was now ruled 
this was not proper at all in another case, the Dane County clerk said, you can come to all these locations in the park and declare yourself what's called indefinitely confined, meaning, okay, Sean Hannity lives in Madison, Wisconsin. You know what? I'm going to go to the park. You get out of your car. You walk, If I'm indefinitely you know, confined, how come I'm in a park? <laughs> right. And in and, and Wisconsin, if you're indefinitely confined, which is usually very elderly, very sad situations in nursing homes, you don't have to have a photo identification. The nursing professional, the doctor in the nursing home vouches for the fact that you're a citizen there. You're confined to this nursing home. You vote. Well, in Dane County, you show up at the park. You don't have identification. You say, I'm indefinitely confined. You sign a document, and you move on your way. And, and by the way, all in an absentee ballot fashion, without the application, without following any of the rules. And, uh, and then even on top of that, which was a part of this case, is that they put them in drop boxes. And then what they did was they put the absentee ballots in drop boxes, and they were commingled with other ballots. So in the end, you couldn't tell the 50,000 ballots that were done that way as opposed to the 100,000 ballots that were done properly, which was also in violation of the law. I mean, you can't even make this up. I mean, it's you know, indefinitely. If, uh, okay. That, how do you get to the park? If you can get to the park, you can get to the polling place. Uh, well, and and how many sure. ballots are we talking about? Because, uh, I mean, it's almost like a... You got to be kidding me! You talk about a sleight of hand, head fake, huh? And all the and all these things that I just mentioned to you, in just two counties, you were talking over two hundred and twenty thousand ballots. In the brief to the court, there were all kinds of you know this indefinitely confined. Where then these people that claimed they were indefinitely confined, they were posting pictures of themselves partying over the weekend on Instagram and Facebook. You know, they were just making it too easy. So I mean, the exhibits. In this case where, you know, they we had exhibits, you know, a mile long in this case of people that were claiming one thing under the law and doing another. So it does explain then why the dissent, why they were they were this was personal, it seemed, between these justices. Well, it was personal. And, and, you know, it was incredible that the one justice didn't come the Trump campaign away because. You know, when we first went up to court, I don't want to bore everyone with what this is, but you can bypass all these other courts through something called original jurisdiction. So you can go right to the Supreme Court and say, this case is going to be in front of you anyway, so just take it now. You have jurisdiction. This justice, it didn't come our way that should have. He said, we got to comply with the statute verbatim. we got to follow every word of this, and therefore you have to start in the circuit court, and we'll, t- we'll look at this later. So, of course, we did that. And then when it got back to him, of course, you know, he Then he, then he, ruled, really then he just then he basically it. hid the behind thing. this idea that you should have done it earlier. Reince Priebus, right. pretty scary. Thank you, sir. Unbelievable. Right, Thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. We'll get to your calls, final half hour of the program. Scott Shadden, 25 till the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, right to our busy phones. Tom is in the great state of Pennsylvania. Tom, hi, how are you? We do have a little news out of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Republicans are urging the Supreme Court, and we dealt with this this week and and last week as we continue our focus on uh, the actual rule of law, the real constitution of states, and, of course, the constitution of the United States, but... Anyway, Republicans in Pennsylvania have again urged the Supreme Court to take up that lawsuit. How are you, sir? Okay. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Listen, I, I, 
I read the, I read the paper, I look at the internet, and all I hear is uh, Trump lost in Wisconsin, uh, his attempt. Uh, Trump's losing cases in Pennsylvania. Trump's not losing. The people are losing. And it got me thinking that he did all the research, all these people that signed affidavits and in, in front of uh, courts, and uh, – he has he has a lot of a lot of proof and a, a a lot of evidence and then Texas tried to join all the states and bring it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court shut him down. I am not a lawyer. I don't fully understand how come, but to the best of my understanding, Texas got shut down because they don't have the right to ask the Supreme Court why other states were breaking the law. But me as a citizen of uh, of Pennsylvania, don't I have the right to 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 ask the Supreme Court? Well, what you, I mean you do, by that... And, we, and we've had the group's lawyer, Greg Tufel, uh, is, I believe his name, and we've also had Congressman Kelly and Sean Parnell on, and the people involved in that suit, and they're trying again. Yeah, and, how, come, how come you can bring... I don't fully understand this. You can bring a class a- action lawsuit against a pesticide company that makes a dangerous product or a cigarette company that uh, is harm- harming people. But how come we, c- we can't bring people together to uh, join? And so it would be we the people. Do you want the people. honest answer? Do you really want me to be blunt and honest? I'm probably not going to like it. but go ahead. I'm, I'm, Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you right now because... You know, we have three branches of government, and the judiciary is, is the check and the balance, supposedly, mm-hmm. against the, the executive and legislative branches. And what we see is a very, you know, I, I think there are two things you can say about it. One, I'll quote right out of the Wisconsin case, and that the, that this is not the rule of law, it's the rule of judicial activism through inaction. I'll say it that way. I would argue that the Supreme Court, under John Roberts, you know, they're very results-oriented. They're not people... That, I mean, they're actually playing politics with the court. And you're right in pointing out that we have disenfranchised not only the people of Texas, but the people in your state of Pennsylvania as well. And that the court, I would argue, has no courage or appetite, to, to quote the Supreme Court Chief Justice in Wisconsin, they don't have the courage to do it. Because the bottom line is they they're looking at what is the reaction outcome going to be if we follow the law and the Constitution. That's you know, there's a reason I've spent so much time on on focused on that aspect of it, because I felt that was the winning hand, the law, the Constitution. Apparently, it's not. Because I don't really look at this as a. For me, uh, a political thing, Uh, I'm looking at this as the election, but they're political. You don't think these yeah. justices, you know, are looking? I am telling you right now, they want no part of this. Hmm. They don't want to do their job, and if it means not enforcing the law, or you know, look at the fourth justice that they would have needed in in Wisconsin. The reason that justice punted, well, you should have brought the case earlier. That's that's not uh, that's not an answer. That's a cop out. That's not the rule of law. And and that's and basically now you're de- you're dead in the water. You're stuck. And that, and I think the uh, the Supreme Court Chief Justice is right. Is that this is never going to end? It's going to be repeated again and again until they have the courage to correct 
uh, correct the system and, and follow the law and follow the Constitution. The same in Pennsylvania, the same in Georgia, the same in Nevada. We should get together, not as we should get together as we, not even Republicans and Democrats, just as citizens. Yeah, we should, but we're know. not going to because they got the results they want. Yeah, but this is not, you're not liking my answers. I don't like them either, to be honest. I'm just being blunt. Yeah, this, because I don't see this ending. You know, because if you if nobody, more and more people are unhappy with the. Uh, with not the turnout of the election or the outcome, but how it was handled. Presidents will come and go, but this is our country. This is the election. It's, it, you know. It's, Tom, you I, have no idea how many Americans you're speaking for right now. This is what the Supreme Court Chief Justice in Wisconsin was saying when he said four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until the court has the courage to correct them. They didn't have it this time. I believe we live in the greatest country on earth, and I, I just I don't want to I don't want to lose faith in a in the Supreme Court. I I don't know why there's got to be some legal legal minds that can put something together with with everything that we see uh, going on around us. It's very disturbing, and I don't see I don't see an end to it. And the only way that this country is going to go forward is, one, is if we all believe that it's a fair, fair election, regardless of the winner. Let me ask you a question, an yeah. honest question. Okay. Everything we've learned the last four years about the media mob and their hatred of mm -hmm. all things Donald mm -hmm. Trump. And mm -hmm. remember, did Donnie Deutsch saying we suck, smelly mm -hmm. Walmart shoppers, irredeemable Correct. deplorables. Do, you, do yep. you really believe that the media, big tech companies... Do you believe the Democrats and even even establishment Republicans actually care about what it is you're saying? Because I don't believe they okay. do. Uh, I, I feel that what what everything you just mentioned isn't a large portion of the Democrats. I, 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 really I, think I, I gently disagree. You had me up to this point. Now you lost me. You know, I, I, I think that. If once I don't want to be like, I don't want to feel like the Democrats felt four years ago. I don't want to be watching TV and looking at Biden. He should get impeached for that. He, uh, there's Russia collusion. There's this. I don't want to be making up stories for you know uh, the next four years, and I just don't. I don't think this should happen to either party. Let me give but, you a simple example. Every state, and I focused a lot on this, has statutory language that says partisan observers get to watch the vote counting from start to finish. Did that happen in any state? No. Now, no. following your logic, everybody should care about that, right? Yeah. Okay. You're do they? Now, uh, they the most care. important question, do they care about that? They, I bet you they would care if Trump won. They'd care if Trump won. There you go. You yeah, welcome. Welcome to our, welcome to our new world. Yeah, and it's okay. it, I'm, I'm just telling you that's you're 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 walking through a process here and your eyes are opening and it's not pretty what you're seeing, is it? No, it's not. But why? Since they've been through they've been through what they feel an injustice was done to them in 2016. And I, I really wish if they felt that way. I the only thing I. I wish we could have opened up the election to show everybody that Trump did win fair and square then. Now, I, I don't 
I'm trying to look at this as a, a bigger. All right. Picture. Let me let me let me help you out with another thing. Okay. They knew from the get go, did they not, that Trump Russia collusion never occurred? They knew that. They knew that Hillary paid for a dirty Russian disinformation dossier. They knew that very early when they talked to the subsource of Christopher Steele, that that dossier was never verifiable. But they used it anyway. And then then that led to Mueller. They didn't they they pushed it even when they knew it wasn't true, didn't they? Yeah. They knew with Ukraine that quid pro quo Joe was on tape bragging about leveraging a billion dollars. And we all knew that Hunter had no experience. Did they care about that? I understand what you're saying. It, it did they? Let me let me keep going. Did they vet Obama when he was running? Yeah. Did they vet Joe Biden this election? Right. I understand what you're saying. Did they? Yeah. Did they look at the Biden ties, the foreign, fam, the Biden family foreign corruption syndicate? They knew about it. Did they do anything? Did they report anything? Yeah. Yeah. How? I, I got a question. This has been bugging me. I mean, you're such um, a decent person. I mean, I hear nothing but goodness, decency in you that I don't even have. You're you're a far better person than I am. I can hear your heart. It's it's a an overwhelming majority of Democrats that are wrong. I just believe. Are that they it, wrong, or do they know they're lying? That's that's what I'm saying. I think the ones that know that they're lying are are, are hopefully not a small percentage that I'm hoping somehow could be corrected. Did the, the media, which that, is uh, so I, I, powerful, and pushed their Russia collusion narrative and ignored quid pro quo Joe and Hunter and didn't vet Biden, did the media know what they were doing or not know what they were doing? I, I, I understand, yes. Yes. Uh, but how? Okay. It's, by yeah, the way, it's, it's you know, this, this is like I, this is what I think we're looking at here. And and I think that this is a process that everybody's going through, including myself. We're looking at something that we never thought would happen here. We're looking at all of this together that they would pick Obama, not vet him. They would that we're looking at they they care about far, foreign interference in elections in Russia, but not Hillary's dossier. They care about uh, equal justice, equal application of our laws, but they they didn't mind lying to a court to spy on a candidate and then a president. They never vetted Biden. They impeached the president while ignoring the real quid pro quo and the real money and ignoring the ties to China and ignoring Russian oligarchs and ignoring the Johnson Grassley report and ignoring all of this stuff. You know, so what you're what you're looking at is a what I'm calling institutional failure and maybe I'm not doing a very good job communicating it, and at times I don't think I am, and that institutional failure is the media, big tech, the Democratic Party, the weak Republican establishment, and it's called the swamp. And when somebody comes along iconoclastically and shatters that illusion that they're good, decent people that just have a few political disagreements, and you start draining it, and you get to the bottom of the swamp, there's no more water, but there's this tarry, disgusting black mud and these creatures now are being exposed and a little disinfectant and sunlight is on them. And all of a sudden they're fighting back. And Donald okay. Trump already beat him on the Russia lie, the Ukrainian impeachment hoax. They, my attitude is that whatever the ends justified the means for too many people here. You're trying to reason with people and say, well, the media, they're, they're mostly, I'm sure, good people that really want fair elections. And I'm arguing, I think there's a lot of people, I'm not going to get a figure on it, that have no problem with the ends justifies the means because they think they are superior to those of us that as Dan Donnie Deutsch says suck, just suck 
or smelly Walmart shoppers or irredeemable deplorables. Those are moments where I think it reveals how we the people are looked at. What I may be wrong. I may to... be wrong. You tell me. Am I wrong? No, I'm, I agree with everything you're saying. What, what, what group or what people I can help this? I thought it would be the Supreme Court, and I thought that maybe it was just a, a, a way of presentation is why uh, the Texas, Texas failed. You mean let me no, let me help you out a little bit because you're grasping for hope. Let me give you some. Okay. 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 The hope is this, and I'm, I'm I'm coming to grips with this in my own way, and and because I've I've gone through a lot of what I hear you're going through. I don't want to be depressed. No, don't be. And, and, and let not, let not your heart be troubled. Listen, we know how the big story ends. Jesus wins. <laughs> you know, you know, God wins. We know that in the end. There's an ebb and flow. As somebody that's been doing this 33 years, there's an ebb and flow to these cycles. And for whatever reason, we stupidly allow ourselves to be convinced that socialism may work this time. And then there is always there's something about the American people and spirit of the American people that the fight for liberty and the fight for freedom never ends. And very, very quickly. American people are going to see a very distinct difference, assuming Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th. And they're going to see, and it's going to be very quickly, hey, do you miss me yet? And then some people are going to be like, why did I get so upset over the tweeting? Why did I care? Things are so much better then. Now, the, the media will tell you things are great, never been better, but they're going to end up missing Donald Trump more than anybody. They don't even realize how addicted to hating this man they've become. And then out of that, it's like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Out of that will come another wave of conservatism that will once again have to fix the country and make America great again. And I believe that's how this story ends. That's my belief. Okay. Listen, I, you've been very, you're just, you just embody all the goodness and greatness of the American people. I really do thank you for your call. Thank you. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. An incredible hearing today on election irregularity. Senator Ron Johnson just beats down the left and the media and the mob. Also, we'll update you on election irregularities. Kaylee McEnany, we're following the Senate race. We'll look at the polls with Robert Cahaley and Matt Towery and Senator Kelly Loeffler. Pete Hegseth, Ari Fleischer, Larry and Leo, 9 Eastern, Satan DVR, Hannity. Tonight on Fox, you won't get this news from the mob. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. 